Welcome to the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast, sponsored by Redwood Living. Thank you for joining us today. I am founder and executive director of Voices for Voices, host and humanitarian, Justin Allen Hayes. You can learn more about Voices for Voices on our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channel at Voices for Voices, and on our website, at VoicesForVoices.org. Voices for Voices is a 501c3 nonprofit charity organization, otherwise referred to as an NGO, a non-government organization, that survives solely on donations. So if you are able to, please consider heading over to VoicesForVoices.org to help us continue our mission and the goal and dream of mine to help three billion people over the course of my lifetime and beyond. Or you can also send a donation to the mailing address of Voices for Voices, and that's at 2388 Beckett Circle, Stowe, Ohio, 44224. Or you can find us on the Cash App at Voices for Voices. Are you or somebody you know looking for a volunteer opportunity? If so, you can reach out to us today via email at president at voicesforvoices.org. Now I founded Voices for Voices to provide a platform for folks to share their stories with others as we work to break the stigma around mental health, accessibility, and disabilities. Helping people get the help they need and also helping them prepare or transition into the workforce with the Voices for Voices Career Center, where we connect talent with opportunity for both job seekers and employers alike, from coast to coast and in every industry and job level. And who can forget about merchandise? The Voices for Voices Merchandise Shop is up and running at voicesforvoices.org forward slash shop, where again, shipping is always free and all donations are 100% tax deductible. Today's episode, uh, we are very grateful to have a special guest with us. And what we're going to talk about today uh, is maybe a little bit different than some of uh, the other episodes that we've had, uh, but is very timely and the information needs to, needs to get out. And so that's what we're doing. So this episode today is going to be on harm reduction and stigma. Uh, we're going to talk about syringe exchange programs, naloxone distribution, stigma training, uh, among others. And it's very important to talk about this in a very humanistic fashion uh, because, as we know, we are all human beings. So joining us live in studio today is the public health coordinator at the Summit County Public Health, and she is Megan Scott. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. You bet. So you, part of what you do uh, is around harm reduction and, and stigma. Can you describe maybe what that is just to, for the common person? Sure. Um, so I am the public health coordinator for our harm reduction program. Um, I also have a couple other projects that are all kind of related to the opioid epidemic um, and naloxone distribution and things like that. 
Um, harm reduction, that's a great place to start actually because harm reduction isn't just about substance use, substance misuse. Um, we use that a lot as a blanket term right now, but really harm reduction is just a way to um, really give people the power to make their own decisions while making sure we're protecting the community in the best way that we can. Um, so hard hats are an example of harm reduction, cigarette filters, um, having the tobacco 21 rules change, that you have to be 21 years old to, to buy tobacco and cigarettes. Those are all types of harm reduction that um, have allowed us to keep our communities healthy. Yeah, and as you're speaking through that, I'm even thinking about children's toys, some of the mm -hmm. safety features that are on those, that it's, it's community-wide. It's not just a segment of population, which I think some may think that uh, it only affects or is only pertinent to uh, a certain amount of, of individuals. Uh, now digging uh, a little bit deeper, uh, maybe talking about syringe exchange programs, what that is and why it's important. Sure, uh, syringe exchange programs, syringe service pro programs, um, there's a lot of different levels of syringe service or syringe access, okay. um, but basically they all kind of have the same underlying thought process, which is that if we provide people sterile use supplies, um, then we're going to reduce the amount of bloodborne illness that is transmitted. So that'd be things like hep C, hepatitis C, um, HIV, uh, certain STIs that can be spread um, through IV drug use, intravenous drug use. Um, but we also provide kind of a safe space for people so that we can build rapport with them, get to know them. Um, so it's not just syringes, actually, that we pass out. Um, we have other sterile uh, use supplies, like clean water and things like that, so that people aren't having to mix their substances with unhealthy things. Um, wound care supplies to make sure that they can keep any wounds clean. Um, we have safer sex supplies, like condoms, to make sure that people are protecting themselves all around. Um, but mostly we provide some connection to people, too. So our service is uh, managed by peer support and other people who have lived experience, and that really helps us connect with the community. Yeah, and I'm just thinking for my thought process, uh, when I previously would hear syringe exchange programs and some of those uh, other ones you talk about, like clean water to mix and uh, sterile supplies, uh, some individuals for whatever reason, they're using, and there's two ways to use. One is a little bit less safer, and one's a little bit more safer, and I think that's really the thing to, to think about and not put people in a box and, and let, them, let them be there. It's, okay, if I was in that position, as a user, would I wanna be safer and wanna live longer mm -hmm. uh, or not? So the fact that those options and opportunities are, are available it is, I, I think, very helpful after hearing how do you explain it. How do individuals find out about the programs and to be able to partake in the programs, get the supplies, and some of the things that you mentioned? Sure. Um, well, our program is completely anonymous, so most of, um, most of it's word of mouth. So we have okay. clients who've used us. Um, we have clients who are currently in recovery, who have long-term recovery, who used us while they were still actively using. Mm -hmm. That spread the word to um, people who are still out there. 
Um, we are, we do have all of the information for our syringe service programs on our website, summitcountypublichealth.org, okay. scph.org. Um, but yeah, we don't really advertise, we don't really have to. The people who need us know that we're there and, and they come and meet us. Great. Uh, shifting the focus a, a little bit to uh, the Narcan distribution and availability of that if an individual for or whatever reason it's, it's going through an, an overdose and symptoms to be able to help them not continue on that, that, that negative track that could end an unfortunate death. What are you doing and in, in, in the, the county doing to help just get that distribution mm -hmm. of that? And what opportunities are there if there's an organization out there, or even an individual that is thinking like, hey, I, maybe I interact in certain areas of the community, might be helpful to have one on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually suggest that anybody, um, regardless of whether you know someone who's actively using a substance or not, carries Narcan on them. Um, you do not have to be an illicit substance user to have an opioid overdose. So people who have maybe respiratory problems, maybe we just had surgery, we're on an opioid for pain uh, reduction, that person could accidentally overdose. They take too many, they forget they took their pill earlier in the day. So that is somebody, um, we try to get the word out that also should be cautious. Um, Narcan is the brand name of naloxone. So most people know it by Narcan, um, but naloxone just blocks the effects of opioids. I wanna make sure that we get that out there. Okay. It is not a treatment medication. It's not gonna cure anybody of their disease of addiction. Um, and it's not gonna remove the opioid from their system. So if someone is overdosing and they are given Narcan, it is very important to call 911 because they could go back into the overdose if they're not given medical attention. Um, yeah, it's very, yeah. Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> uh, so Narcan also can't get anybody high. It is very safe to be used. It can be used on pregnant women. It can be used on children, should it be necessary. Again, the important thing is just to get uh, medical attention afterwards. As for distribution, there's lots of different ways that we distribute. Um, we are actually a partner with the Ohio Department of Health's Project Dawn program. Okay. Uh, we are, I think we have over 30 different partners here in the county as well. So we get our naloxone from the state and then we have partners like the ADM board um, and various other behavioral health organizations that distribute to their clients, to their communities. Um, being a distributor is very simple, especially now that Narcan is considered over-the-counter. Somebody could get a hold of us, we can get them set up, and uh, they could have Narcan on site to pass out to whoever they feel needs it. Yeah, I mean, and that's county-wide, so mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of an organization, or as you mentioned, as individuals, to, to have that on them, and if, if they're worried about being arrested for having it yeah. on them. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, no. it's not illegal. It's completely safe. Um, I recently went to a music festival. No one in my group of people uses any illicit substances like that. Mm -hmm. And I still kept it on me just in case. Because um, you never know if you're in a crowd like that, you know, you could be the person that saves someone else's life. Um, we also partner with several of the police departments and fire and EMS jurisdictions. So they're able to leave it behind the sedum at overdose. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, some of our police departments here in Summit County, you can walk in and ask them for Narcan uh, fire departments, some of them as well, and they can give it to you for free. Right. Uh, so the program, as you touch on organizations, individuals, uh, 
through the uh, police departments, fire departments, EMS. Is there any area that you want to continue focusing on or getting that awareness out mm -hmm. about a specific thing, a specific mm -hmm. way uh, that we can share? Yeah, we, um, well, it's probably not a surprise. The highest overdoses are typically in zip codes that are considered Akron. Um, we kind of knew that, you know, that's not something that's a big shock. It's our largest populated part of the county. Um, but we do have other populations of people that we try to get the word out to. Mm -hmm. um, for example, we know that the black and African American communities and the LGBTQ plus communities are heavy hit with overdose. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that having to do with stigma, um, that struggle to, to ask for help, how am I gonna be treated, those kinds of things. Um, we also have seen a rise in polysubstance use. So people who don't know that they're getting fentanyl or another opioid mixed in with a substance like cocaine or methamphetamine could overdose because of the fentanyl that they don't know is mixed in. Um, we also know, you know, I don't think it's any secret that college students experiment. So yeah. <laughs> recreational users, people who, um, you know, really aren't struggling with substance use, but might be about that age range. We want to make sure that they have naloxone on them as well. Yeah, and I, and I think that's another important point is when somebody hears, oh, overdose, think a certain, or overdose is a certain part of the population, that there are sometimes individuals that experiment and think they're getting one thing mm -hmm. and but don't know where that one thing came from, that it could have been three things and mm -hmm. then cut, cut down. And, and I think that's, that's a stigma in itself of people just thinking that, oh, it's it's the people that use every day and multiple yeah. times a day. It's like, it could be your son, your daughter. And we've, we've seen unfortunate overdoses and, and deaths around yeah. that. It's not just that population, that it, it can be the, the high school student, the college student that is at a party and is it, doesn't know what, what all's in the, the substances. And I, I think that's a, another important stigma to try to bust and, and break that uh, is that it's not just Basically, overdoses doesn't know, it knows some zip codes better than others, <laughs> yeah. but whether it's a gated community or not, yes. I, I think that's a misnomer that, that's out there. It's like, oh, well, I live in a gated community, crime's low, and, yeah. and we don't use, and everything is, is fine, and then they find out that somebody overdosed and died in their community, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's hitting home. I think that's, that's part of what, what you're doing is creating that awareness that it can yeah. be anybody. It, it's not... Let's not discriminate and, yeah. and talk about specific areas. Some areas might be hit a little bit harder, but it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, addiction, again, we know is a disease. It's been recognized as a disease since, uh, I believe, the 1950s. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't discriminate, just like no other disease does. Cancer doesn't discriminate, diabetes doesn't discriminate, um, and neither does addiction. And so as a public health department, what we try to do is provide all the necessary tools for people to make safer choices. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're not going to condone the use of the illicit substance, but we're definitely going to keep people alive until they are able to get past that disease and make some different choices, you know, and if we can get Narcan out to communities before it hits home, yeah. before a neighbor or a friend or a son or daughter overdoses, that's even better. Absolutely. So how, how'd you get started with the work that you're doing? How did that interest you and, and the work that you're, you're doing and, and in your career for an individual yeah. that's out there and might say, 
how can I get involved? And I'm thinking about majors and certificates and <laughs> yeah. those types of things that we, we also want to have people and, that are helping others like yourself. Yeah. Um, I accidentally got into this. <laughs> um, I actually am in recovery myself. So I started in public health as a peer supporter okay. um, on one special little project and uh, just kind of moved up as I saw the difference that, that this program was making. Um, I'm not a peer supporter now. I am a public health coordinator. Um, I have a degree in psychology and sociology, so I've always kind of had that drive to really help people. Um, and I'm nearing the end of my master's degree in clinical mental health. So all of those things are, are possible partially because of my recovery, but also um, what I do now has really guided my decision to, to get into mental health care. Wow. Can you touch on me, like you, you mentioned, your lived experience, mm -hmm. and if you're talking to somebody, an individual, an organization, that you're able to relate on not just the book information of, oh, well, do this because it says so, or the definition, or, yeah. or the process, uh, but being able to relate to so, some of the experiences that you've been through, uh, maybe touch on that? Yeah, for okay. sure. Um, well, first, I would never tell anybody I know where they are because I'm not them. Um, you know, they're the experts on them, themselves, just like I'm the expert on myself. Mm -hmm. um, but what I can talk about is that I remember what it was like to feel that, um, that drive to have my next drink or whatever it might have been at the time. Um, and how it was really difficult to get past that. And, you know, it took a lot of people around me who loved me and supported me, um, who treated me with dignity and respect and compassion until I got to a point where I was stronger than that disease was. Mm -hmm. So I can relay that message to people when I'm working with them. Um, you know, unfortunately, as a coordinator, I don't get at the syringe exchange clinics as often as I can. But when I do, I try to engage every client that's there, say hello, welcome them, um, because we're happy that they're there. We're happy yeah. that we see them. You know, we, uh, not me personally, but the yeah. staff that works there every day, they know their names, they know their families, um, they know their stories, and they miss them when they don't come in. They worry about them if they don't stop by. So, you know, if we can just continue to lead by example um, and just tell people that they're safe and welcome and hey if you ever decide that you'd like to make some changes we can connect you with the ADM or we can connect you with housing services mm -hmm. um, then that's what we want to do we want to be there for them. Right. Uh, do you happen to have an idea of how many organizations have the uh, naloxone kits in, in their yeah. premises? Um, I believe we have around 30 partner organizations that will distribute naloxone. Okay. Um, some of those are behavioral health organizations, some of them are recovery organizations, safe housing, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also what's called a nalox box, which is an emergency box that has Narcan in it and an overdose response kit. Uh, kind of like an AED, but Narcan mm -hmm. instead of the machine. Yeah. Uh, and we have uh, over 70 of those in different locations across Summit County. Mm -hmm. So those are in businesses, they are in residential areas, um, they are in, again, behavioral health organizations. Every Summit County public health uh, building has one. Uh, and if somebody is experiencing an overdose, you can get Narcan with instructions and things like that right out of that box to help them. Can you maybe touch on the importance of an organization or uh, an individual that doesn't have it and may have a stigma of like, well, I don't want to get it because maybe my friends and my family and my coworkers yeah. uh, maybe help get through some of that stigma so we can increase that 70 to yeah. hundreds, <laughs> thousands. Well, I, I think the first thing is just acknowledging that um, 
substance use is going to happen. Um, as a realistic person, you know, realistically, there is going to be substance use anywhere you go. Um, whether you are an employer, an employee, there's probably somebody in your organization that's already using and hiding that. Uh, so the way that we look at it is why not make your organization a place where they can feel safe to come to you and ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first ways to acknowledge that you want to be a safe place for your employees or, uh, or your staff or your friends or whatever it is, um, is to show that you're willing to have those Nalox boxes or Narcan or whatever it is on the premises to say, hey, I understand, we're here, we'll help you stay safe. Right. Is, there, is there training uh, that an individual needs to go through to have that Nalox box on the premises? Um, we usually do tie it with uh, a Narcan, uh, like a use training. Okay. Narcan's very simple to use. It's basically like Flonase. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, and uh, that way there's at least one person, if not the whole staff, um, on whatever site that is that's trained in how to use it, how to administer it. But that being said, it is very simple, and the Nalox boxes do have instructions in them. So if you're just walking by uh, and have no experience mm -hmm. whatsoever, you'd still be able to save someone's life. Yeah, I think that's a misnomer that might be out in somebody's head is, okay, I get this Nalox box, there's gonna be all this information, all these things that I'm gonna to have to do uh, on top of the stigma, on top of, and that might hinder them. But as you mentioned, if somebody's walking by, never seen it, heard it, is able to follow the, those, mm -hmm. uh, those instructions. It's very I think. simple, yeah. Right. So what, what's next for, for you, the, the program? Uh, is it, it I'm, I'm guessing it's a, the expansion mm -hmm. to get get those Nalox boxes as many places as possible. Yeah. Uh, and can you maybe just touch on again where they can find them, how they mm -hmm. can get them? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's actually a couple things that we're looking at expanding right now. Um, one thing I'm actually really excited about uh, is we have some vending machines that we're going to be deploying. Or, uh, hopefully in the next few months mm -hmm. they'll be finished. Cuyahoga County and Stark County already have them and we'll stock them with naloxone, um, but also hygiene supplies for our houseless population. Um, there'll be information in there, resources so people can get help if they need it. Uh, and these are just like big soda vending machines. So everything in them is free. Mm -hmm. There's a short registration process for an anonymous code. Uh, and we're really excited to, to get those out into the community. Mm -hmm. um, as for the, the Narcan or Nalox boxes, you can get a hold of us at Summit County Public Health. Um, we do have uh, different staff members that handle it based off the type of organization. Okay. So we will just get you in touch with the right person and they'll get you all set up. Um, come out and train staff if that's what someone needs and, uh, and give you all the information on the Nalox box. Right, so they can just come by the to the building itself and, and show up if that's an option or do yes, they, you um, like call but ahead? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say call ahead. Um, that way we can make sure the right person is available. We can schedule something. Um, but if it is, you know, something where you just want to stop by, you're welcome to worst case scenario, they'll get a message to yes. us and we'll call you back. Right. Uh, well, Megan, thank you so much for your time, uh, with us today and sharing the important work that you and it, the public health department's doing in, in Summit County. Uh, and we, we hope we can just spread that awareness, not only with Summit County, and, uh, but also be uh, a trend center for other, other counties in yeah. the state of Ohio and even the country that, uh, that 
there's issues going on, mm -hmm. whether we want to think they are or not. And let's try to go the safest route possible and not judge people. I think yeah. that might be. Yeah, helpful. absolutely. We are more than happy to be here. Um, you know, we say, and I, I heard this from someone else, uh, that as long as someone's breathing, there's still hope for them. So we do our best to keep people breathing. And that's really what harm reduction is about. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. And thanks to you, our audience, our guests, our listeners, uh, those checking out uh, our transcript. Uh, this episode, uh, our special guest in studio is Megan Scott. Uh, she is the public health coordinator for Summit County Public Health. All the information uh, that, that she mentioned, the links uh, we'll, we'll be including in our show notes. Uh, and please share, share the word uh, to friends, family, uh, if you're a business owner or somebody in, in place of authority that uh, do you want your employees to be as safe as possible regarding uh, life in, in general to have the best chance of the employee coming to work to the next day uh, because I must speak for myself uh, having uh, skeletons in the closet things that go on as, as individuals and as an organization I think nothing better uh, to make sure or have the best chance of having our employees be, be healthy. And this program, uh, the, the, the Summit County Health Department is doing, uh, and the series of podcasts and, and TV shows that, that we are, are doing uh, is really wanted to get the awareness out to individuals, organizations, uh, people that might be impacted by certain, uh, uh, maybe, uh, uh, criminal justice uh, things that have happened to them throughout throughout the course of their lives. Uh, so we want people to be healthy. We want people to be able to work. We want people to be able to have a house to eat. To uh, if they're in an unfortunate situation, uh, to have the naloxone to be able to help somebody. Uh, or uh, having not gone through that, maybe they're able to help them themselves. So until next time, uh, I am Justin Allen Hayes. Uh, founder and executive director at Voices for Voices. And until next time, we hope you have a great day and please be a voice for you or somebody in need.